Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're here to serve you in any way that we can. For more information about our resources or our church, you can check out hope at crossroads.org. Online, you can find access to other resources like devotionals and study books. Thanks again for joining us. And now let's start this week's message. Good morning, church. If you have your Bible, if you'll open up to Daniel chapter 9, while you're turning there, let me, uh, let me brag on you. I think we could have all walked out of here after the worship and stormed hell with a water pistol and we would have won. If you, uh, if you know the Bible and you know, you know about worship, You'll know that many times in battle, it was those who were the singers and the worshipers who led out front because they prepared the way of the rest of the army. And uh, I'm excited about the future because I think I have much to learn. Maybe I should say we have much to learn as well about what worship really is about because... uh, Well, let me just be personal for a minute. I find myself many times failing the Lord in different aspects of my life. And it's because the enemy sometimes paralyzes me and my thinking. It's amazing what happens when you start to praise the Lord, how those barriers and those walls fall down. There's something about the power of worship. It's not just for God's benefit, but it's for our benefit. And... uh, Wow, what a, great, what a great way to start our service. Daniel chapter 9, if you're visiting, by the way, we're glad that you're here. At the end of our service, we'll be going into a brief church conference as we vote uh, on Brandon to come and be our, serve as our worship leader and also our church budget. Uh, but if you are visiting, please let us know about that, uh, either by scanning that QR code on your handout, your bulletin, or filling out a little slip there in the, the pew. Daniel chapter 9, if you've been keeping up also with the media and what's going on in our world, these are crazy days in which we live. None of this, though, as we said in our prayer time together with our worship team this morning, takes God by surprise. I know we see some of the things unfolding in the media, and we uh, perhaps get a little scared or freaking out or wondering what in the world is going on, none of this takes God by surprise. We are, we are seeing unfold right in front of, front of our very eyes the end times and uh, what Jesus has told us about, told his disciples about, and what uh, Daniel uh, tells us about in his letter. So let's read it together this morning. And as you know by now, I'll probably stop along the way and make a couple of observations that hopefully will tune us in to what Daniel is trying to say uh, to us. Daniel chapter 9. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asherus, of Midian descent. Let's just stop right there. You know, last week we talked about many areas that Daniel saw in his vision, many empires that he saw, all the beasts that he saw, each representing a different empire. And so this is one of the empires that we talked about, the Midian Empire, the Midian descent, Darius the son who was made king, verse 1, over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet. 
for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now, let's just stop for a second. Let me just ask you this question. Other than pick your poison, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Newsmax, wherever you get your news and your information, other than those outlets and the other information that you need through life, maybe the internet where everything that's posted on the internet we know is true. Where do you get your information? Maybe you get it from yourself. You know, the older I get, uh, just confession time, I guess, this morning, I'll just tell you, the older I get, sometimes I lean too heavily in my own intellect and my own life experience. Sometimes that's helpful. Where do you and I lean when it comes to getting us through life? Where do we get our information? If, you, if we were to stop right there, just in the first couple of verses, we would be able to discern and understand what Daniel is saying in verse 2. He, all these nightmares he had, then the vision that he had in chapter 8, now he's saying in chapter 9, in this first reign of this next king, he observed in the books. What books is he talking about? He's talking about the Old Testament books, some of which he had access to, namely the book of Jeremiah. So he's interpreting what is happening to him, what's going on in life, the things that he sees, his visions, the nightmare that he had previous, all these things, he's interpreting in light of what the Scripture has said to him. Church, we could stop right there and just, that's, that's, enough, that's enough meat that we should be able to take home because what we need to do as believers in our world in which we live is interpret everything through what this book tells us. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes I don't. I interpret things through my own thoughts, through my own agenda, through my own plans, through my own intellect, maybe through conversation, maybe through taking a survey or a poll, nothing necessarily wrong with those. But ultimately, what Daniel is telling us is he understands what God is doing on the earth through what he's already read in the scriptures, through what scripture has told him. And the passage in Jeremiah reads like this, Jeremiah chapter 25, it's also in chapter 29. This story also of prophecy, if you want to take a note and read that sometime. These are the scriptures that he read, Jeremiah 25. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord. So Daniel knows and is interpreting what is happening in front of him in light of what God has already revealed in his word. You and I need to do the same thing. When I watch what's happening on the news, I don't need to fret. God's word has already told me what's going to happen at the end times. I should not be surprised. And the great witness that you and I can have as believers is when those who don't know Christ watch some of the things that are happening in the world and begin to freak out, they should be looking at us who claim to know Jesus and find peace and calmness and assurance because they look at us and realize, wow, we already know how the book ends. You don't have to wait for the movie, by the way. Read the book. We already know. And so Daniel tells us a very key and important principle, and that first principle is this. We should get our wisdom and knowledge from... The Word of God. Paul says it this way when he was writing to his friend Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. He said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for 
reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And church, can I just tell you, the degree that we spend time in this book is directly proportionate to the degree of our outlook on life, to the degree that we serve and follow Jesus, to the degree that we walk faithfully with Jesus. It is to the degree that we spend time in this book. And I need to spend more time in this book. Maybe you do too. Especially when we're trying to study a book like Daniel. A couple hours a week is not going to do it to interpret a book like Daniel. So we've got to get into this book. And Daniel is reminding us, hey, here's where I've got my information from. I know what's getting ready to happen. So what does Daniel do? What is his response? Well, here's what his response is. He says, verse 3. The word so is a powerful word. It's almost like the word therefore. I've suggested to you sometimes when you see the word therefore, you need to ask the question, what's it there for? And so is the same, same way. In light of everything that he knows, in light of what he's read in the book, the book of Jeremiah and his Old Testament knowledge that he has of the scripture, in light of all that, he says, so I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and applications and supplications with fasting sackcloth and ashes. Now, when I was reading that this week, I got to be honest to you, I started, I started thinking to myself about prayer. Church, I would just say to you, I have, maybe I could say we, I don't know. Maybe some of you practice some of these things. But the church in America, let's just say that, and I'm part of that and you are too if you know Jesus. We have a lot to learn when it comes to this, this thing of prayer. A lot of us could say we've, we've prayed for somebody. But how many of us could say we have pleaded on behalf of somebody? We had a brief time of prayer this morning for a friend, that, one of our worship team who does not know the Lord and may pass away in the next few days. We were, we were praying, we were collectively praying. I would say we were even maybe entering this attitude of pleading. And maybe God is allowing certain things to happen in our world to get us as believers past the point of praying to actually the point of pleading for God to do something, begging. You know, I remember when my kids were younger, you know, they would ask for certain things and we'd say, you know, yes or no. Sometimes if it was, you know, for that great candy bar that they wanted after Lynette had prepared supper and they were wanting to eat it before, you know, we would say no. And then I got to... I got to be honest, sometimes they would move past, past asking and they would move into pleading. And at that point, daddy's heart would soften and I would say, I'm going to give you this, but do not tell your mother. <laughs> and I just have to think that God's heart is very similar to us. Sometimes I think when we're praying, God's waiting to see how really desperately do you want to see me do this? Is this just a passing thought or just kind of a, a flippant kind of token, a little saying that you're going through? Are you really passionately pleading on behalf of what you want to see happen in your life? And then he mentions even some other words in there that we need to reinstate in the New, New Testament church. And those are things like fasting. 
Don't raise your hand, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever been so desperate to see the hand of God move that you said, God, I'm going to fast? Now, a lot of people think when you hear the word fasting, you're thinking that means I need to give up a meal. I could, I could handle and probably need to give up a few meals, especially after being at this church for many years. I have fluctuated in my, never mind, don't judge me, don't judge me. You're the ones who bring the food. But we often sometimes think about this fasting as relation to food. Fasting can relate to anything. Fasting could relate especially with the culture in which we live. Some of us should probably fast from social media. Some of us maybe should fast from those mainstream news channels that we flip through and watch. But here he's probably talking about fasting from food or turning away from something, not just to let go of something. Sometimes we mistakenly... Uh, misinterpret what fasting is. Fasting is not just turning away from food or social media or whatever it is that you're giving up, but it's turning to giving attention to Jesus. Adding extra time in your schedule to focus on Jesus and to plead after Jesus and to ask Jesus to do some great things. To put sackcloth on, which was a visible thing that people did to demonstrate that they were seeking after God. And pleading after God and, and ashes. So let me just ask you. And, and maybe, maybe this question would be better directed at those of us who are older in the congregation. Because it's up to us to set the model for the younger folks in the congregation. When's the last time you fasted to see the hand of God move? Don't raise your hand because you're not supposed to be public about that, right? You're supposed to do it in your own prayer closet. The Bible tells us Jesus himself was very clear that in the last days, if you want to overcome temptation and tribulation and the demons of hell, Jesus told his disciples, some of these things will only be overcome by prayer and fasting. So Daniel gives us a great illustration of what he does when the world is going crazy and he sees all these visions of empires and wars. His immediate response is to seek after God, not to complain about it. Oh my gosh, Lord, what are you doing? Have you forgotten me? Wah, wah, wah. Complain, complain. Not to complain about it, but he immediately turns to God and begins to seek him. Second Peter chapter 3 is another reminder of what we can do here as a part of the body of Christ. I, I, I love this. Because we should do the same thing. We should seek after God. And that's the second thing we see here that Daniel's reminding us of. We should also seek after God. When things are crazy in the world, things are crazy in our lives, things are crazy in our families, our immediate response should be to seek after God. But how often, it's for me, in my own life, sometimes do I treat God as a last resort instead of a first response? Lord, forgive me. Christ should be our first response. Not, I, I can handle this. And if I get to something I can't handle, God, I'll call on you. You're my backup plan. Church, if God is our backup plan, we're in the wrong seat. If God is our co-pilot, we're in the wrong seat. We need to put him in charge and us step into the background and say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you Want. And Daniel did a great job illustrating this, and he shows us how to seek after God. It's interesting that Daniel knew something that a lot of us as New Testament Christians have forgotten, and that's this. God actually invites us 
as we little humans to participate in his work, to be about his will. So Daniel seeks after God and prays to God and says, God, basically, what do you want me to do? What should I do in the midst of everything that I'm seeing? I'm turning to you. You're my first response. What should I do? He reminds us that God wants to invite us to participate. Did you know that the Bible is all full of scriptures that tells us as Christians that we can actually participate in the kingdom of God? It's amazing. Not to be kind of spectators and sitting in our seat, but we can participate. Second Peter says it this way. It actually says... Peter says this in chapter 3, that we actually can participate, watch this, this is amazing to me, we can actually as believers hasten the Lord's return. Some of you looking at me kind of weird. Yeah, you're looking at me, I'm the only one up here. We can hasten the Lord's return. How do we do that? Second Peter tells us how we do it. By living, he says, Holy and godly lives, we hasten the Lord's return. In the book of Romans, he tells us God's prophetic voice. Paul talks about the prophetic voice of Israel. It's going to resume when the Gentiles come to know Christ, which happened as a result of Jesus giving his life and revealing himself to all of mankind. So the more we go out into the world and the more that we demonstrate and share with people the love of Jesus, we can actually speed up and hasten the return of the Lord. We can participate with Him. That should motivate us. It might not, but it should motivate us when we leave the church today to go out and tell every person that we know that does not have a relationship with Jesus about the free grace of Almighty God. We don't know an exact date, but the scriptures tell us that at the point every person on this planet has heard about the free grace of Jesus, at that point, he's coming back. So I don't know about you, but if you're tired of living here with all the misery and all the chaos and all the confusion, you want want the Lord to come back quickly? Go tell somebody about him. Go tell somebody about him. Because when every voice is heard, the Lord Jesus is going to return. So he says he seeks after God with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God, and I confessed, and I said, Alas, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. So he starts at verse 4, he's going to start with a prayer. And it's a rather lengthy prayer. I'm just going to prepare you. But he starts his prayer by praising and giving adoration to God, by saying to God, you, God, you are the great and awesome God. You keep your covenant and your loving kindness for those who love you and keep your commandments. As Daniel begins to pray, he starts off, many of you know this acronym or acrostic, I always get those two words confused, A-C-T-S, you probably know that, that's, how, that's our model for prayer, A is adoration. And Daniel starts adoring God for who he is, the great and mighty and awesome God. But then he moves into what would be the C, and that is confession. Oh, church, these are hard verses. I have prayed this week about these verses. I don't say this to get a pat on the back, but I say this because I want you to know, and as a pastor of this church, I'm supposed to model what we're supposed to be doing collectively as a body of Christ. I would tell you I've fasted this, this week about these verses. There's a lot of places in the Bible that you can turn to and read, and after you read them, you're like, oh, that feels so nice. That feels so good. Jesus is my peace. 
Jesus loves me unconditionally, and that's all that's true. But there's some verses you read in the scripture where it's like, ow, oh, ow. And we're getting ready to read those verses. And it's really the major part of this chapter. It's really the major part of the the message this morning. Because Daniel moves from adoring God and recognizing that he is the great and mighty and awesome God. To confessing. Not a popular word. Not a popular word in the North American Christian church. It's very hard, actually. Just be honest. Confession is hard. Because confession implies that you or I did something wrong. Now, you younger people won't remember this show unless you watch it on Netflix. This is not a pastoral endorsement of this program. But when I grew up as a teenager, there was a show, and it was a very cool show, by the way. And it was called Happy Days. And it was a great show. And there was this one guy on the show who all he wore every single episode, I think as many episodes as I saw, which were hundreds and hundreds of episodes of this show, all he wore were blue jeans, black shoes, white t-shirt, and a black leather jacket. Can I get a witness? You guys know, I'm going to wear that next Sunday. Is that okay? <laughs> That's all he wore. And all he would do when he wanted to be cool is he would just walk around and... I have no idea what that meant. I'm not sure any of his friends knew. They just thought, wow, that's cool. He can throw up both thumbs and go, but one of the difficulties he had, if you're a fan of the show, you know where I'm going, is when something happened and he made a mistake, Richie and Potsy would kind of come around him, his friends, and say, Fonz, you you shouldn't have done that or whatever. And they would say, you know, you need to apologize. And he would say, I was, I was... I was, he couldn't even get it out and admit that he was, and they would kind of have to pat him on the back and he would go, I was wrong, wrong. He would finally say it. And we laugh and you laugh and I'm glad you laugh because I love you and I want you to, I want you to laugh and I want you to enjoy it. Can I be honest with you? Some of us, sometimes I do. And you're like me. I'm no better than you just because I'm standing up on three steps. Sometimes we have Trouble saying we were wrong. The church, I'll just tell you, in my prayer time this week, I've wept for us. Because I don't want anything, hear me, I don't want anything, I don't want anyone to hinder what the almighty spirit of God wants to do in our church. I don't want to be the one that would hinder it. I don't want you to be the one that would hinder it. But scripture is clear. What hinders God working in our lives individually and corporately. Most of the time is this three letter word that's a very powerful word. It's called sin. What's amazing about the God of the universe is he has already got a cure for that disease. (laughs) But sometimes we like to wallow in it. 
And all we've got to do, according to Scripture, is what John tells us, First John says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us from our sins and to free us because of His righteousness. And to cast that sin as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. That when we say, Lord, I've made a mistake, please forgive me. I'm confessing it to you. And God, because of his grace, forgives us and cleanses us. The next day, if you bring that sin up, God literally says, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Man, I wish I could do that. Woo! I wish I could do that. So Daniel enters this time of confession. And that's the third thing that we should realize is we should practice. If Daniel's modeling this when his nation is in turmoil and his nation has turned his back on God and the people have turned their back on God and all these things are about to happen that are being prophesied and he sees the end coming, Daniel could have said, Lord, but what about me? I'm trying to live right. Do it to them. You know, bring your punishment to them. I'm... But he doesn't do that. As a matter of fact, in the next verses that we'll read, biblical scholars have added this up in some of the original language. And over 30 times, Daniel identifies himself with his nation and basically says, I, like them, have sinned, God, on behalf of the people. I'm crying out to you and I'm confessing. I'm not going to say, as we tend to do in North America, well, wait a minute, I'm not as bad as they are. Lord, I know I, I know I shouldn't do that, but that's not as bad as that sin, you know. And we start categorizing things. By the way, do you know that you cheating on an exam at school, or you having adultery with someone else's spouse, according to God, it's the same level of sin that he died for. I know we like to categorize that in the United States pretty much, and we like to, well, I can get by with these. The, the problem with us doing that, churches, has caused us, has caused me to think that there are some sins that in God's eyes are just, we'll kind of scrape that under the rug because that's a minor sin. Show me that in Scripture. And then we tend to ostracize people or to puff our chest out. We collectively, I'm not saying we here at Crossroads necessarily, I'm saying we collectively. We tend to puff our chest up and act like, well, we are not as bad a sinner as that person. I have to remind myself, if I had only sinned one little minor measly sin, that sin put Jesus Christ on the cross. Even if it was only one. So Daniel begins to run through this list. And I'm just going to read it slowly so it can sink into my heart. And I pray it will sink into our hearts. And this is what he says. Verse 5. We've sinned. We've committed iniquity. We have acted wickedly and we've rebelled even turning aside from the commandments and ordinances. Moreover, we have not listened to thy servants and the prophets who spoke in thy name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and all the people of the land. Righteousness belongs to thee, O Lord, but to us open shame, as it is this day to the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all Israel, those who are nearby and those who are far away, and all the countries to which thou hast driven them, because of their unfaithful deeds which they have committed against thee. 
Open shame belongs to us, O Lord. To our kings, our princes, our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Let me just stop right there. Even if, church, we were perfect, and if Crossroads was perfect, when I showed up, we went imperfect really quick. But even if we were perfect, we look at what's happening in our world. And he, he talks about kings and rulers and leaders. And we look in the United States of America, what's happening with our rulers and leaders. Even if it was just on behalf of them, we should be confessing to the Lord God Almighty, please God, please forgive us. Please look at what's happening. Look at what our leaders are doing and we should be begging God to intervene and confessing on their behalf he says in verse 9 to the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him I want to encourage you maybe even now or maybe this afternoon if you read this chapter again just go in and circle all of the things that he says Regarding sin and iniquity and transgressions and disobedience and rebellion. There's so many words in these next verses. It just sounds like, wow, look at all the stuff that these people need to confess. To the Lord our God belong compassion and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. Verse 10. Nor have we we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his teachings which he set before us through his servants and prophets. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed transgressed thy law and turned aside not obeying thy voice so the curse has been poured out on us along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses here he goes again quoting scripture his knowledge of scripture we have sinned against him verse 12 thus he has confirmed his words which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring on us great calamity for under the whole of heaven there's not been done anything like what was done to Jerusalem As it is written in the law of Moses, there he goes again, talking about scripture. All this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God. By turning away from our iniquity and giving attention to thy truth. I was riding with my son last night back from an event. We were about five hours in the car last night and we were talking about some things, talking about what was going on in our world. And he says to me, out of the mouth of kids, he says to me, Is it possible that the blessings of God can cause apathy? I said, man, you've been reading this book? That's the roller coaster ride if we read the Bible. God blesses the people as a heavenly father who loves his people and he pours out his blessings because he loves them. He pours them out and pours them out and pours them out. And ultimately what starts happening is people go, I deserve that. Thank you, God. What else you got? I deserve that. And all of a sudden, pride enters and sin enters. And all of a sudden, God has to go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back a little bit and let a little calamity enter your life. And then all of a sudden, humility comes and they confess and they bow down before God and they realize, no, you are the one true God. I mean, we've seen this happen in the life of Nebuchadnezzar as we studied earlier chapters of Daniel. They begin to turn their heart back to God. Church, why does it take that for you and I to understand the heart of God? I don't know. I wish I was different. I wish I was different. 
We see it happen in our nation. We've talked about this. You know, after 9-11, the churches were packed, standing room only. You couldn't even get people in. You could have took reservations. You could have charged $100 a ticket for people to come in. And people would have gladly just started paying it to get into the church because they were so hungry for God. I pray that time is not coming, but if I read Scripture and I believe Scripture, hmm. Calamity and blessing sometimes go hand in hand. And when we treat the blessing of God as if we deserved it, and we've got, we've forgotten. We've forgotten the beautiful grace of God. If God gave me what I deserve, he would have struck me dead long ago. But he doesn't give me what I deserve. He gives me his grace. And so Daniel just continues to cry out. Verse 13 again, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord. Why would they not seek the favor of the Lord? We have not turned from our iniquity and given attention to thy truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the calamity in store and brought it upon us. And the Lord our God is righteous with respect to his deeds, which he has done. But we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who has brought thy people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. And has made a name for thyself as it is in this day. We have sinned. We have been wicked. O Lord, in accordance with all thy righteous acts, let now thine anger and thy wrath from Turn away from thy holy city, Jerusalem, thy holy mountain, for because of our sins and iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and thy people have become a reproach to all those around us. Oh my gosh. Wow, those are powerful words. Lord, the nations of the earth are looking over here. They're looking at us. We have become a reproach to you. That should be the cry of the United States of America. The nations of the world are looking at this Christian nation to see what we're doing. And we have become a reproach to him. Because we've turned our back from him. Unless we point to the world and say, what are they doing? With all the love in my heart, I would say to the church of America, it's our fault. We have sinned. We have turned from God's truth. We have begun to take things that are black and white and make them shades of gray. We have begun to compromise. God is looking. And he looked at Daniel, and Daniel's reaction was not just to complain about it. His reaction was to fall on his face before God and start in confession. Oh, Lord, our God, he says, you brought us out of Egypt. Verse 16, O Lord, in accordance with thy righteous acts, let now your anger and your wrath turn away from thy city, Jerusalem. Verse 17, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplications. Listen to me, Lord. Please listen to me. And for thy sake, O Lord, let thy face shine on thy desolate sanctuary. O my God, incline thy ear and hear. Open thine eyes and see our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we're not presenting our supplications before thee on account of any merits of our own, but on account of thy great compassion. Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action for thine own sake. O my God, do not delay because the city and the people are called by thy name. 
man, I wish he was here. Because <laughs> I'd say, Daniel, that's, that's, an, that's an awesome prayer. Can you just pray that prayer? Can you pray that prayer for us? Incredible. Maybe you noticed some of these. Let me just quickly run down these. You may have jotted these down as you read them. Daniel's confession included a lot of things. It included asking for forgiveness for unfaithful deeds. Let me just... This week as I read down this list... I had to ask myself, church... Every time I would read one of these, is that me? Is that me? Am I, am I guilty of that? Is that me, Lord? Speak to my heart. Is that me? See, I used to sit in church before I was on a church staff, and I would oftentimes hear the pastor preach confession, confession. And I would say to myself, man, I hope she's listening. <laughs> man, I hope he's listening. They need to hear that. They need to hear that. This morning as I was sharing with you, even, even right now in this moment, God's saying, are you, are you listening? Are you listening? This week as I read these things, God said, are you listening? Are you listening? Do you need to ask for forgiveness for unfaithful deeds? Do you need to confess unfaithful deeds? Do you need to confess being rebellious? Do you need to confess not obeying? Church, we have enough in here. If God was silent, please, Lord Jesus, please don't be silent. But if God was to be silent starting tomorrow for another hundred years, we have enough things in this book he's told us to do that if we would just implement would set us free to impact the world and ourselves. And I have to say, God, forgive me for not obeying you. Forgive me for not seeking your favor. Forgive me for wrongdoing. Maybe here's one for you that maybe God's put his finger on your heart about. Lord, forgive me for not obeying your voice. Forgive us for our wickedness. Forgive us for our our anger. Forgive us, God, when we don't believe you. You know, I was talking to a friend this week. I'm sitting here trying to even remember who it was, but I... I can't even remember who it was, but our conversation was just about somebody else that we both knew and how God was blessing them and this was happening, this was happening, this was happening. And he says to me, my friend Dave, he says to me, you know, do you, you think you know why that's happening in his life? And I said, well, there's probably a lot of reasons. Why would you say that's happening in his life? He said, that's happening in his life because he actually believes what God says. And he moves on it. It's much like what Brandon shared with us and what the choir sung about. It's much like what Abraham demonstrated. Abram, before he became Abraham, demonstrated. God gave him instructions and he obeyed, not knowing the result or the outcome. I often want to know the result and the outcome. I Actually, what I like to do is pull out my uh, piece of paper and say, God, I have already listed the criteria by which I will follow you. My secretary has looked at it. If you could just pass it to your secretary and once we, uh, you're willing to do what I want, pass it back down here and I'll sign on the dotted line. And actually what God wants is for us to hand him a blank piece of paper with our name already on it. 
and for him to fill in the details. I'm not saying it's easy. That's what he wants. So sometimes I have to confess, God, forgive me when I don't, I don't believe you. I don't see it in the natural. In church, there's a lot of times we don't see it in the natural because that's not faith. Faith is seeing something that's not in the natural. That's what faith is. The evidence of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11. Lord, forgive me when I am so worried. Forgive me, God, when I am more worried about what the friends in this church want, Jesus, than what you want. Forgive me, God. Forgive me when I'm more concerned about what people would think of me than what Almighty God thinks of me. Forgive me, God, when I'm more concerned about what I want, what I think I need, than what you want and what you've commanded me to do. You know, the great thing about when you and I come before the Lord and we confess and we go before Him, He shows up. And I encourage you to read the rest of this chapter because He shows up in the life of Daniel and actually shows up in a miraculous way while Daniel is actually still speaking and while he's actually still pray, praying, somebody shows up that we've heard before in verse 21. Gabriel, an angel, Gabriel who made a lot of important announcements in the Scriptures, all of a sudden shows up at Daniel's side as he's praying and as he's confessing and pleading on behalf of the people. Gabriel pops in and stands up beside him and says, Hey, 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 I got a message for you. At the beginning of your prayer, at the beginning of your supplications, verse 21, 23, a command was issued. Almighty God gave me instructions. Boom. Here I am, Gabriel on the scene, and I'm going to tell you something. You're highly favored. You're highly esteemed. Take heart. Take encouragement. You are highly favored. So give heed to this message that you're hearing and gain understanding of the vision. And he begins to interpret the vision. I want to tell you this morning, here's the great, powerful, awesome, almighty, loving God for you. When you confess, as painful as it sometimes is, and you come before God automatically in his presence when you're genuine and sincere and you confess that he looks at you and says you're forgiven you're a son of god you're a daughter of god you're a child of mine you're highly esteemed stand up stand up stand up amen are you guys awake this morning or is it just me god loves you god loves this church he has great plans for this church but for those to come to fruition some of us maybe starting with this guy have to confess our almighty dependence upon him. The Bible says unless the church builds the Lord builds a church, those who build it build in vain. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of things God's calling us to do. But ultimately, he is the one that's in charge. Will you pray with me this morning, Father? I I thank you for speaking to my heart this week. Maybe, Lord, it's, maybe it's only me that needs a message. Lord, I, I don't want anything or anyone to hinder what you want to do through this body of Christ known as Crossroads. I, I can look in your scripture, we all can we look, look in the book of Revelation when you spoke to churches and they ignored you. 
Some churches ignored you to the degree that you're standing outside the church and you're knocking. You're knocking on the door. Say, let me in, let me in. That's not this church. God, I know that's not this church. But God, I, I do believe, Lord. I know I need it. Maybe there's some other friends in this room that would be bold enough this morning to say, I confess to you, Lord, there's some things I need to confess. Whatever that might be, would you, would you show us, God, what those things are? That we would be united around you and be united around the fact that we want nothing, 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 no one to prevent the Holy Spirit of God from working in our church. While you're praying this morning, friends, if, this, if that's your heart desire, we'll get to Sunday school, we'll get to small groups, but right now this is an important moment, I believe, maybe a historical moment in the life of our church. Maybe you need to slip out of your seat in just a minute. Maybe you need to come to the front and just confess something. It could be personal. Maybe you need to grab your spouse. Maybe you need to get something right with your spouse. Maybe just maybe there's somebody else across the room that you need to go ask forgiveness. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to get right. I'll give you this guarantee from God's Word. God's not going to do anything in the life of Crossroads if we're not in tune with His Holy Spirit. We can spend money in mailers. We can do spend money in promotion. We got blinking lights outside trying to get people to come in this building. But that is not going to do it if our hearts are not right before Him. Maybe this morning you found yourself here. Maybe you've been here for weeks. Maybe you've been here for years. You've never surrendered your life. Never said, like the guy on Happy Days, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. God, I have been wrong, and I need you, Jesus, to save me. If that's your heart desire this morning, that's not, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on the door of your heart saying, let me in. Maybe this morning you need to come surrender your life to Him afresh. So church, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you quietly, just where you are, just to quietly stand. Church, I'm, I'm, I'm asking, if you need to do business with the Lord, I know it's hard. But I want to promise you, not on my authority, but on the authority of God's Word. When you confess your sin, He's faithful. And just to welcome you back into His presence and to restore that, that fellowship. So how about it? Please don't leave this place today not confessing something God's put his finger on. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come and stand with me and join me. I ask Stephen to come join me as well this morning. If you need to grab somebody and just pray. You don't even have to tell us what it is. You may just, you might not even can speak. You may just say, I just need you to pray for me today. What a joy, what an honor to be able to do that this morning. Would you quietly and reverently just stand to your feet? Brandon's going to just play quietly. If you need to respond this morning, church, I'm calling us to a time of confession. Maybe something you've never done in this church, not publicly, unless you need to confess publicly, but just you and the Lord. If you need to do that at your seat or you want to do that here at the front on these steps, this is your time to do what God's called you to do. Father, have your way. Speak to our hearts. 
Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads. We're so glad that you joined us for the message today. If Pastor Jack or any of our team can serve you, please reach out to us. You can send us an email at jack at hope at crossroads.org or by visiting our website. We would be most grateful to know where you are listening because we have people all over the world listening to our podcast. You can send us a message through our website. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we are in the midst of a building campaign to reach more children and families in our local community in Greenville County, South Carolina. If you would like to help, you can always make your gift online at our website, hope at crossroads.org. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hope at Crossroads.